from Cape Town. This is the Voice of the Cape, 91.3 FM. Sunday Live on 91.3 FM Stereo. Sunday Live. 23 after 7, my name is Muhammad Sheikh. Welcome back. Now, a recent case of a woman married for 16 years to a man she never met has approached the North Gauteng High Court to set the record straight and hopefully get the marriage annulled, I'll reported earlier this week. Now, according to Africa Check, South Africa had its own fair share of fraudulent marriages. This comes after the Department of Home Affairs received several complaints of approximately 2,000 132 fraudulent marriages and only 1,160 of them were found to be truly fraudulent and annulled. This was reported from 1 April 2018 to June 2019 from South Africans that they were in fact not married. Well, joining us online is Dr. Radley Henrico, Senior Lecturer at the Department of uh, Public Law and Jurisprudence, Faculty of Law, University of the Western Cape, to unpack this discussion. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, Mohammed. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, before we debunk fraudulent marriages and uh, you know the systemic process involved in that, let's 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 talk about marriage in general and uh, how marriage is recognised under the Marriage Act in in South Africa. How how do we break them down? All right. Well, firstly, um, um, if one refers to marriages under the Marriage Act, mm-hmm. uh, one has to um, distinguish or. Um, identify the fact that we uh, our law recognizes three marriages uh, mm-hmm. you have your civil marriages in terms of the marriage act of mm-hmm. 1961 which is your so-called traditional marriage mm-hmm. your customary um, marriages um, and then your civil union um, marriages mm-hmm. um, in terms of your 2006 act so it's those three um, marriage institutions that you have which our law recognizes Okay, so uh, the, the one that people commonly refer to um, with, you know, any one of the three uh, which you sign up to, would that naturally fall under what people commonly refer to as community of property? Uh, community of property, yes. It, it, it can be included um, in, in terms of any marriage regime. Okay, okay. And other classifications like the ANC with, with art accrual, etc., right? Correct. Uh, the community of property in ANC, that's more associated with the Civil and the Civil Unions uh, Marriage Act, mm-hmm. whereas your Customary Marriages Act would obviously traditionally be associated with the exchange of laboral and giving effect to indigenous um, traditional beliefs. Oh, interesting. So uh, under that, I mean, uh, just on the traditional component, uh, um, would that type of or how would the law recognize authenticity of that type of marriage? Is there a certificate that has to be produced? Is there, uh, you know, getting a sign off from the chief of the tribe? How exactly would that go down? Yes, there's certain legislative requirements that need mm-hmm. to be complied with, uh, mm-hmm. with Act uh, 120 of 1998. And um, if you don't comply with those legislative re- requirements, um, then your marriage will not be recognized as a lawful legal marriage mm-hmm. and it falls to be set aside. Interesting. Um, mm-hmm. yes. So the, the ones that, or at least the Department of Home Affairs is reporting on fraudulent marriages, uh, in your understanding, um, does it include all three of the sectors or were they targeting just the civil component? 
The marriages that we're looking at in terms of what's been reported at Home Affairs and the spate you've just mentioned as a prelude uh, mm-hmm. to this interview predominantly fall under our traditional normative um, heterosexual um, marriage, uh, which is, falls under the rubric of your marriage act mm-hmm. uh, between your husband and wife. Mm. Uh, but it's not to say that it cannot also occur in terms of your civil union, your same marriages. Mm. Do you think because the the system of regulation of uh, uh, you know traditional marriages would vary and would be so vast that it would create a point of vulnerability for people to exploit? Um, not not necessarily. Um, there's there's vulnerabilities in in all all legislative instruments that mm-hmm. people find specific loopholes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, in your civil and your um, civil in your marriage act as well as your civil unions act, um, it only requires one party to go mm-hmm. and register the marriage certificate. And uh, the Minister of Home Affairs has, um, as you might well know, um, has announced that in 2021 there's going to be an omnibus mm. uh, of, of, of legislation, in, in other words, a unifying act that's going to um, seek to um, uh, regulate more effectively mm-hmm. um, the marriages in mm-hmm. terms of which both parties are required to register the marriage certificates at home affairs mm-hmm. in order to ensure um, as a guard um, against mm-hmm. these fraudulent or sham marriages that are taking place. Mm, interesting. Well, um, you know, focusing particularly now on, on fraudulent marriages, what's, what's the distinguishing factor between fraudulent marriages or marriages of convenience? All right. Well, um, um, remember that fraud is always a misrepresentation. In other words, a falsehood that's made. Mm -hmm. That's in in respect of any formal requirements imposed by an act, such as where a marriage officer who solemnizes a marriage is Mm -hmm. in fact not one who is registered uh, with Home Affairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, That would be a fraud. Mm -hmm. Um, But your notional and or your legal difference between fraud or your fraudulent or marriage of convenience Mm-hmm. Um, you must re- remember that it would depend your your term convenient um, at, 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 at very loose. Um, it depends on what is meant by convenient. Mm-hmm. In other words, where two people marry each other for reasons other than love, um, but in doing so they comply with the legislative requirements. It's not an unlawful marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, in other words, it could be called uh, convenient, but not a fraudulent marriage. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, a marriage which is concluded for fraudulent purposes, namely obtaining citizenship, mm-hmm. whilst it's a convenient way of securing citizenship, is indeed a fraudulent marriage. Mm. Now, in, in the case of these approximately 1163 individuals who have claimed or are found to be fraudulently married, what would be the underlying point? How, how were these people either not aware that they were married in the first place or um, would have also followed or fall, uh, fell under marriages of uh, convenience? Well, it would always depend on the fact, that the underlying facts and circumstances which would be uh, pertinent to each and every case. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it would, for example, if there hasn't been proper compliance with the legislation, if one of the material elements hasn't been met, in other words, um, 
a, a person discovers that um, or tries to uh, obtain a, an identity card from home affairs and discovers that she's been married for mm-hmm. a number of years to an individual who she's never met in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, they find that uh, they might very well find that um, the minister who solemnized the marriage is not registered with home affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, that would... Um, tantamount to a fraudulent marriage and then we go into the realm of um, what remedies would be available in terms of your because it's a fake or fraudulent married mm-hmm. marriage, what avenues um, are available to these people? Sure. So a person, you know, hypothetically gets married fraudulently, either knowingly or unknowingly that the minister who solemnized the, the entire marriage was uh, not registered per se. Um, you know, what penalties can one expect to be facing in that regard? Okay, well, depending on uh, the, the, the um, if you look at your Marriage Act and your Civil Union Act, both of them um, contain provisions for perjury. In other words, having made um, a false statement under oath. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at the time when the marriage is solemn, solemnized, um, you are requested as one of the parties entering into that union to solemnly swear. Mm-hmm. It's, an, it's akin to taking the oath or an affirmation in a court of law, and then your um, both acts provide for um, perjury, and um, perjury is then prosecuted in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act and the common law, and in both instances a maximum prison term of 10 years Mm -hmm. um, or a fine can be imposed, but usually realistically we're looking at uh, a court imposing a fine or a wholly suspended sentence. Interesting. Especially if it's a first offence. Now, you touched a little bit earlier on with regards to the realm for avenues for for people who can remedy the situation, either who were, um, you know, willingly or unwillingly part of a fraudulent marriage or marriage of convenience, how, how do they access these remedies? All right. Remember, that, uh, one must always recall that marriage changes, or even a purported marriage, um, uh, purportedly changes the status. You were uh, previously or erstwhile a single person, and now you are a married person, mm-hmm. and the law recognizes that as a change in your status mm-hmm. as an individual. So the appropriate path to follow would be to approach the High Court to have the marriage annulled. Mm-hmm. In other words, this is an order declaring that no marriage marriage ever existed or nullifies the marriage. Now, when we speak of an annulment, the court either declares the marriage void or voidable. Oh. And in both instances, uh, it can declare the marriage is at an end. Mm-hmm. Now, um, in declaring a, uh, the, the marriage is annulled, in other mm-hmm. words, set aside, uh, let me give you an example. A marriage would be void in circumstances such as where parties married within the prohibited degrees of marriage. Mm-hmm. In other words, a brother and a sister got married or a mother married her son. Mm-hmm. Those are called prohibited degrees of marriage. Or where one of the parties is already married or um, where the marriage certificate was fraudulently issued by mm-hmm. a, an official at home affairs who mm-hmm. was bribed to issue that marriage certificate. And in this regard, um, I'll point out um, that the mo- one of the most recent cases in this regard was handed down um, by um, um, 
it's a case referred to uh, by Judge Cameron um, in the Appeal Court Road Accident Fund, um, in respect of which the, uh, it was noted that mm-hmm. um, our courts regard uh, fraud or fraudulently obtained certificates with the highest regard of disdain. Mm-hmm. And this point was made by Clive, uh, Judge Plaskett mm-hmm. in 2017, referring right back to our common law in uh, 1948, mm-hmm. where courts um, will, will not hesitate to set aside um, any certificate or notice or, um, uh, or, or document mm-hmm. which has been fraudulently obtained. So a, a court will annul or set aside a marriage which is void in those type of circumstances. In other words, where there hasn't been or could never have been said to have been compliance with the legislative um, regime or mm-hmm. material requirements of the act, and when I say void, it mm-hmm. means that from the it's void ab initio from the very outset there was never a marriage to begin with. Mm-hmm. One has to then discern that or distinguish that from a marriage which is annulled or set aside on a voidable basis. In mm-hmm. other words, um, there is a chance it can be ratified, and um, an example would be uh, where um, the where the male partner in the marriage um, is shown to be impotent or sterile, or one of the parties entered into the marriage, um, let's say the wife was pregnant Mm -hmm. with the child of another man at the time of the marriage, Mm -hmm. that is a basis in law upon which uh, the marriage can be set as uh, nulled as a voidable marriage. Mm -hmm. Now, why I say voidable is um, if the wife accepts that the husband is impotent and um, says that well, she will continue with the marriage, then mm-hmm. there's no problem. Mm-hmm. And similarly, the husband accepts the, his wife bearing the child of another man, mm-hmm. uh, then there's no reason it's avoidable, meaning it can be set aside, but not necessarily. In other words, it can be ratified, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. not in contravention of a specific law of any of the aforesaid marriage regimes that I've referred to. Mm. And um, in, in this way, annulment is a legal way of addressing void or voidable marriages, whereas a divorce is issued when a marriage is irretrievably broken down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, just one more thing to pick, pick your brains before I let you enjoy the peace of Sunday. Um, <laughs> The, the so we see in many instances within the traditional religious sectors that m- many times um, people get married within a religious domain or traditional domain, but never actually according to the customs and traditions of that particular uh, norm. You know, for let's say a Muslim marriage or a Christian marriage under the church, etc. But many times they don't apply as a registered couple uh, to the Department of Home Affairs or um, you know all the judiciary bodies involved. And it so happens that, let's say, 20 years down the line, they accrue assets together and they go divorce, according to the traditional sector as well. And then they do apply, you know, for um, one is taking the other as legal, uh, you know, uh, taking the legal route against the other for, let's say, claiming maintenance or claiming anything else. Uh, Is there recourse for 
you know, individuals who perhaps kept it traditional, but uh, only when there's a problem that happens later on, then they want to approach the courts for assistance. Um, is there is there light at the end of tunnel for such people, especially in cases where, let's say, a woman was divorced and now she she helped build a business empire with her husband, and now you know um, they're getting divorced and she's left high and dry because everything is perhaps on his name. Um, is there recourse for people like uh, many people like who find themselves in this? type of situation? If I understand your question, if uh, parties were supposed to um, carry out formal procedures subsequent mm-hmm. to the uh, uh to the wedding and they yes. failed to do so Correct. and years down the line um, they seek to do pursue other activities or they seek to, to dissolve the union as such mm-hmm. yes yes, indeed um, either of the parties can approach the high court for a declarator order uh-huh. and say um, you know in 2010 we entered into a union and unfortunately the, the marriage certificate was never lodged or registered with the Department of Home Affairs mm-hmm. and we want a declarator issued by the High Court mm-hmm. uh, recognizing or stating that we were lawfully married mm-hmm. because it's one can only be divorced if one is married. Mm-hmm. So the court would, you would have two orders. The first order w- would be a declarator mm-hmm. uh, stating that you were married on such and such a date. And your second order would be your order seeking a dissolution of the marriage on grounds of irretrievable breakdown. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, so there is recourse. And I think I'm glad that, uh, uh, you know, the law accommodates for people who maybe, uh, you know, 20, 30 years back ago, people really didn't uh, appreciate the full complexity of of, uh, uh, you know, marriage under the tradi- or marriage within the conventional way and applying by home affairs was like a traditional thing, keep it at home and, you know, carry on with life. So I'm glad there is recourse, especially nowadays. Well, I'm sure I'm hoping that nowadays Gen Z, Gen X probably has great ambition in terms of getting everything formalized and making, you know, a more appropriate decisions. But nonetheless, uh, Dr. Randley, thank you so much for your time this morning. I really do appreciate it. You're most welcome, Mohammed. Have a, have a good day. You too. Thank take you. Care. Well, Dr. Radley Henrico, Senior Lecturer at the Department of uh, Public Law, UWC. Well, it is 40 after 7.